The Balloonist. Part eleven of Careers of Danger and Daring. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by E. Lee. Careers of Danger and Daring by Cleveland Moffett. Two which treats of experiments in steering balloons. In all their experiments at the farm, Professor Myers and Madame Carlotta have worked on individual lines, he striving of late years to perfect his sky cycle, which is simply a balloon of torpedo shape with a rigging of propellers and fans underneath, while she has been content to gain skill in steering a balloon of ordinary shape by merely moving her body and utilizing varying air currents, for the wind blows in different directions as you ascend. It is remarkable how the position of an aeronaut's body may alter a balloon's movements. It is possible, for instance, to make a balloon ascend or descend without touching valve or ballast by a simple change of position. Stand with your legs apart, straddling from edge to edge of the basket, and by throwing your weight first on one foot and then on the other, you will give a polywog movement to the big bag above you, and it will go wriggling upward, head first, some hundreds of feet. Or, if you would make it descend, all this the professor explained to me, stand with your feet together in the middle of the basket and catching the balloon neck at both sides stretch your arms wide apart so that the fabric forms a chisel edge then sway your hips forward as far as you can then back as far as you can and keep doing this now the wriggling process is reversed and this time the basket goes first tail wagging the dog and the balloon descends this ability to rise or fall at will allows madame carlotta to pass easily from one train of clouds to another and by long study of these cross-moving aerial trains she is able to pick out the one she wants for a certain destination with almost the precision of a foot passenger selecting his particular street car or changing from one to another and in descending she has learned to steer forward or back to left or right by tipping the basket footboard in the direction she wishes to take the balloon follows the lowest edge of the footboard as a ship follows her rudder an almost incredible instance of skill attained by carlotta in these experiments was furnished some dozen years ago at ottawa where she made an ascension never forgotten by the people of that city it was a grand occasion in honor of Queen Victoria's gift of the Crystal Palace to her loyal subjects, and Canada had rarely seen such a gathering. Twenty-five thousand people, as was estimated, were packed inside the exposition grounds to see the aeronaut rise to the clouds. And there at the appointed time stood Carlotta on a raised platform with the multitude about her waiting for the balloon she wore a short skirt over a gymnasium suit and made an attractive picture with her fine figure and golden bronze hair so thought various city dignitaries who chatted with her admiringly while the crowd surged about them meantime professor myers was anxiously watching the maneuvers of some indians hired by a committee to tow the balloon from gas works two miles distant where it had been filled 
this was rather against the professor's judgment for the rideau river flowing by the grounds offered an obstacle that could be overcome only with the help of canoes and tow-lines and to paddle a big balloon across a river a fresh-filled hard-tugging balloon is not a thing to be undertaken lightly and in spite of all their skill these indians found themselves presently lifted into the air canoes and all oh they were badly frightened indians not quite clear of the water but high enough to make it doubtful if they would ever reach shore and highly interesting to the crowd which pressed down to the river even into the river in well-meant efforts to help and dragged the balloon up the bank along toward the platform with such eagerness that they tore great rents in it that let out the gas in volumes in an instant as happens in crowds the balloon became the centre of a struggling mass of people who slowly pressed in from all sides to see what the matter was now when twenty-five thousand people are all pressing slowly toward one point it is apt to fare ill with those at that point and had not carlotta acted on a flash of inspiration there would surely have been disaster in that merciless crush she looked over the shouting swaying multitude and in a second saw the danger saw women held helpless and fainting in that jam of bodies saw one way and only one to save the situation and took that way stepping off the platform she ran lightly and swiftly over heads and shoulders packed solid and came to the balloon such was the people's fright that they scarcely felt her pass you can't go up cried her husband the balloon is a wreck i must go up she answered if i don't these people will be crushed to death there's a hole in her big enough to drive a team through he protested but already she was in the basket and a great cheer arose it's better to risk one life than many she answered with decision and turning to the crowd motioned them to loose the car in their wonder the mad multitude forgot their fear and the struggling quieted all eyes were now on the balloon one woman's courage had quelled the panic the danger to the crowd was past to the woman just beginning wait a moment shouted professor myers you must have more ballast but in the din of voices she misunderstood him and cast out the last bag then with a great heave and a flapping of its torn sides the balloon wrenched itself free and shot upward a cripple soaring with its last strength up and up it went higher and higher as the small store of gas expanded that tattered balloon with its seams gaping open raised itself somehow two miles over the city of ottawa and then almost immediately began to fall the gas stayed in just long enough to lift the broken bag and then left it to dash downward professor myers heartsick on the ground turned his eyes away sure that he had seen his wife alive for the last time but carlotta was of no such mind she had saved the crowd now she would save herself and even as the balloon dropped with frightful speed she put her plan into action swinging herself up on the netting she caught the flapping silk above a long tear and drew it down with all her weight until it reached the car instantly the air rushed in underneath and bellied out the fabric into a great umbrella a parachute improvised from a ripped balloon now they were slowing up 
They had put the brakes on, and now they were soaring easily, drifting with the wind. Carlotta drew a long breath of relief and looked down. They were still a mile above ground. She had the runaway in hand, but where should she land him? Most aeronauts would have been thankful enough to get down alive anywhere. She proposed to do a feat of steering as well. No doubt there was some gas in the upper part of the bag to help her, but in the main she was guiding a parachute, and she guided it so skillfully by tipping the footboard forward or back to left or right that she landed finally in a clump of evergreen trees some fifteen miles from Ottawa that she had selected as the very place she proposed to land. And great were the rejoicings when it was known that she had come to no harm. The story had an interesting sequel the following year, when Carlotta made another ascension from the same place. "'Where will you land this time?' one of the committee asked her. Carlotta looked at the clouds a moment, then, smiling, said, "'If you like, I will land exactly where I did last year.' This they all declared impossible, for the wind was strong in just the opposite direction." but Carlotta insisted she would land in that clump of evergreens and nowhere else. And she kept her word. She had observed that at a certain height the wind was favorable to her purpose, and by the same tactics of seeking the right wind currents, and by the same clever footboard tipping, she reached the point she was steering for, to the general wonder and admiration. My acquaintance with Professor Myers has given me some light on a question often in my mind. That is, what kind of children these men have who follow careers of danger and daring? Will the son of a steeple climber climb steeples? Will the daughter of a lion tamer be afraid of a mouse? And so on. Of course, with both father and mother aeronauts, as in this case, it would be strange indeed if their child did not love balloons, and so it has turned out, for Miss Ariel Myers, now a girl in her teens, has already made various ascensions, and enjoys nothing better than soaring aloft on her father's sky cycle, which she steers skillfully. Her first experience of a voyage in the air is memorable for two facts, that it nearly brought destruction to herself and her mother, and drew attention to an important but little-known fact in ballooning science. It was some years ago at the Syracuse County Fair, and a balloon race had been advertised between Carlotta and young Tisdall, an assistant to Professor Myers. For this event, an enormous crowd had gathered on the grounds, and now, by what tears and pleadings, who can say, Miss Ariel, aged eleven, had persuaded her too fond mother to take her along, and off they went, amid cheers and wavings, with a strong breeze blowing, and the child peering down at the dwindling earth over the basket side. She watched the roads change into yellow streaks, and the hills swing up from back of the horizon, and the clouds spread away below them like a sea. She watched her mother take readings of compass and barometer, and as the wind swept them along to new viewpoints, she would cry out, Here comes another town, Mama! and clap her hands as the town raced by. Tistel won the race, having ballast in plenty to throw out, while Carlotta had little, since the extra lifting power of her balloon was needed for Miss Ariel. Now, the difficulty of managing a balloon is much increased if you have no ballast, for then you cannot rise at will to enter a higher wind current blowing the way you want to go, but must drift where the current you are in may take you. 
and the current they were in took them such is the perversity of things straight toward a deep and dangerous lake carlotta saw where they were going but was powerless to prevent it she could not throw miss ariel overboard like a sandbag to make the balloon go higher although she did throw overboard everything else that was movable even to her jacket and shoes then having done all that was possible she waited clutching the basket sides with anxious fingers and wondering if there was any way to safety suddenly an idea came to her and she scanned the heavens for tisdale's balloon no sight of it anywhere tisdale was three miles away hidden by clouds nevertheless she lifted her voice and sent forth a loud cry calling his name immediately the answer came quite distinct she explained their peril and asked tisdale if he could come to them he said he would try and questioned her where they were and what wind currents had borne them carlotta told tisdale to what height he must drop she knew her own height by the barometer and in a very few minutes being able to rise and fall as he pleased he was near the two other air sailors and got his balloon down by the lakeside in time to help him ashore when they struck as presently they did the basket splashed the water then skipped along the surface under the drag of the balloon and was caught finally in the arms of a tree that reached out from the bank and the only harm done was the spoiling of miss ariel's best frock here was a case of conversation carried on easily between two balloons a mile or so above the earth and three miles apart but other experiments made by madame carlotta show that talking between balloons may go on over much greater distances a reach of nearly eight miles having been accomplished on one occasion near ogdensburg new york the explanation of this phenomenon is perfectly simple each balloon while it is speaking acts as a huge megaphone for the other and each balloon while it is listening acts as a huge sounding board for the other and the tighter the balloons are kept under pressure of gas the easier it is to make these great silken horns for such they are throw forth and receive the messages it should be noted that this facility for voice transmission does not exist at great heights because of the rarefied air at a mile above earth however this difficulty is not presented and it may be that a superior kind of wireless telegraphy will be introduced some day by the use of talking balloons. Why not? End of section 11